Hate. Same as love. And also its diametral opposite. It can come in all shapes and sizes. And again, as it works for love, it can evolve and transform in a complete different feeling and vice versa. After all, changing opinion about a person is a sign of maturity and evolution has always been fundamental in the history of man and the universe. But I'm getting too cryptic here and this is not a philosophy podcast after all, so I might as well stop with this delirious rambly and crack on with something more to the taste of my beautiful audience. So, my bunch of perverted and intelligent people, as you could decode from what left my lips moments ago, Today, we're going to explore that beautiful word that is the word of frenemies that at a certain point decide to do the medieval joust with their dicks. And we will do that with the help of two of my personal favourites of the time. The chaste and very sweet school-based jazz for two, and the not-so-chaste and a true cove of huge dicks, anti-pity, where I discovered that apparently, if you have a huge sexual appetite, all you need to do is go to the gym and all your problems will be solved. First reaction, shock. Shock because all my problems could have been solved just by doing a membership to the gym. But alas, here we are. But before we can do any of that, let's be responsible adults as it should be. Disclaimer. <clears throat> this content is intended for mature audiences only. It can contain strong language, sexual references and mention of violence. Listener discretion is, of course, as per usual, advised. Without further ado, for your ears delight only, DMB, Season 1, Episode 9, from Anti-Pity to Jasper 2, aka How Frenemies Become Lovers. Drumroll! And before I forget, you should copy your ears now, because you guys, guess who's back? Back again. No, it's not shady. It's something far worse. It's the jingle. In three, two, one. <coughs> and this is the moment where the jingle should be. Jingle, jingle, jingle. Oh, this jingle. It's amazing. Best thing in the world. And I cannot sing to save my life. So, three, two, one. Oh, please. You are flattering me too much. I will blush. A quality we also appreciate in a man. And if this man is a 2D hunk from the BL universe, well, even better, if I can say so. And I'm sure the same as from the works we're going to talk about in a minute will also agree with me, considering how cute their, their yukas are when they blush. I'm not fangirling, you are. Anyways, when I was deciding from where to start in this episode, I found myself in a bit of a pickle, as just for two and Antipity have next to nothing in common with each other. But then I thought to myself, Let's do it as if it was a sex sesh, like one of them good sex sesh ones. We start with the rough and passionate to finish with the soft and cuddly. At least that's what feels good for me. As I always say, you do you, do what makes you happy, I'm not gonna judge. So, as I was saying, rough and passionate. And speaking of rough, let me introduce you to Antipity and our lovely gay duo, Hui and Param. So, Antipity by League Pie, and I hope I pronounced that correctly, which I think I didn't, but anyway, indulge me please. So, Antipity follows the lives of Param, a charming young man considered a catch by everyone's standard, and Hui, a hot smirking jock with a heart of gold. By the looks of it, 
how come that two people so different intertwine their existences? Well, simply enough, Faram has a couple of secrets that could topple his hard-won elite status. Well, for one, he is gay, and not that that is a problem, but, I mean, a closeted gay in a top firm in Korea? Yeah, that's a pretty huge secret. And he has an oversensitive body that gets turned on at the slightest touch. So far, he's coped by taking care of his, let's call them emergencies, in the office bathroom, the closest place at hand, since most of his arousals come from the massive secret crush he has on his boss. Um, except that one day, he's caught, caught red and dead by the new personal training, uh, why am I saying pers personal trainer of the company gym, who is none other than that wee guy we mentioned moments ago. And he will make an offer Param could certainly not refuse by offering himself to be the one that will help him with his sensitive body and massive sexual appetite. Um, with all the cards on the table, will we be the ruin of Param's life or his remedy? Considering that the episode is called From Frenemies to Lovers, you can guess where the story is gonna go towards, but yeah, you know me, I like to be cryptic even though it's completely unnecessary. And on a personal note, can I just say that I have a huge, let's underline that, huge distaste for, how can we call him? The third wheel? The other interest? Whatever. I'm not going to mention his name, because it's not worth my time, to be honest, but for whatever didn't guess it, I'm talking about Param's boss. He is such a negative character on so many levels. He basically knew from the start that Param was interested in him, but... When, when does the cheeky bastard decide to tell him he knows to have a chance? That's right, you guys. Once he realized that Param is getting interested on a deeper level towards we. And not only that, for him, uh, and with him, I, I'm talking about the boss, uh, all of these would have been a matter of casual sex every now and then, as he always did with any other partner. And as we know, Param was invested on a bit more and more... <laughs> <laughs> on a bit of a more emotional level and I mean leave the poor guy alone will ya? if you know that a person is sentimentally invested towards you but you don't feel that way just leave it why make a person suffer in the first place and for what? to get some dick? Mr. Boss sir you can get that anywhere you like since you are indeed a good looking bloke and you don't need to ruin someone's life okay? And that goes for everybody else, okay? Guys, if you're not invested in a person and the person is invested in you, just tell them, they can move on, you can find whatever you want to find somewhere else, and everybody's happy and nobody will need therapy, okay? Good, good. Listen to auntie here. Yeah, okay? So, uh, as I was saying, that fucking boss. I know what you're gonna say to me. I know, I know, I know it seems like he developed some kind of feelings towards Param at a certain point, but I'm gonna be fair and square because I always am. I didn't believe in one bit. I didn't believe in one bit. No, sir. That was just, he wanted that dick and he, he would have done anything to get it. What feelings? What? If you believed him, good for you. I never trusted the bastard. Not for a second. With we, however, on the other hand, Oh, what a journey it has been. I need to take a moment here. Now, what started as a game, and a bit of a taking the piss moment on his part, developed into a splendid relationship that would honestly merit any anybody's art. Whatever the fuck did I just say? 
I wanted to say melt anybody's heart. <sighs> I'm getting too emotional, you guys, sorry. Um, and bear in mind, we is no perfect being whatsoever. On the contrary, he was a cheeky bastard himself, always taking advantage of Paramus' weakness and always threatening to expose his secrets and kings to everybody in order to ruin his life. But once he realizes that his art harbors a deeper and sincere feeling towards Param, he completely pours his heart out in order to make their relationship work. Now, if that isn't a perfect example of a, of a fine young man that grows up and takes responsibility for his actions, I don't know what is. I rest my case. Drop Mick. But what concerns Param on the other end, I still can't understand how it took him so long to realize how much of a jerk his boss was. I know love is blind, I know it, but here we clearly have a case of ice covered in layers of ham, as we say back in my home country. I mean, I adored how the author structured his whole character development, and particularly for what concerned the journey to discover his true feelings and whom they were directed to, but I mean, if I for one had to choose, and a puppy-eyed Huey was in front of me, well, I'd just say probably the whole web would have stopped of chapter 20 I tend to rush things a bit yeah that's how I am but all's well what ends well and although we had to sweat to get our happy ending like literally they're at the gym like 70% of the time with the webtoon and we got it or better but I mean we got it and that's the most important thing and the whole journey was chef's case so we can all be happy for them and hope that the juicy side stories will come soon because i crave them like crazy i've been craving them since the end of april so author please enough with the holidays deliver us the goods and speaking of crazy we can all agree that teenagers hormones can get a gold medal for it right so let's pack up our office slash gym romance and let's jump to one of the public's favorite topic that's right, high school romance, Taylor's oldest time. And we will do that with the help of Just For Two by Claudio. Now, when we talk about Just For Two, we do need to quote the author for a second here, because I was cracking up when I read that side note. At the end of season one, they were asked why jazz, and they gave two replies. One was that they chose jazz because it was a style of music as wild as unpredictable as the development of the character's relationship. But then... <laughs> but then said, oh, you know what, I chose jazz because I like it and listen to it a lot. So, yeah, it fitted quite well. <laughs> I feel the same, <laughs> the same level of laziness that I have and I love it. But jokes aside, I think the first answer couldn't explain the work any better. Not only every song we find in each chapter fits perfectly with the mood and the stage of their relationship in that specific moment, but also... The theme of the songs will change constantly and considerably as their feelings will come to the surface. And you know me by now? I am a sucker for this kind of attention to details. And I get this might not, not be everybody's cup of tea, it wasn't mine either, and bear in mind it's not even on my top 10, but I assure you it is definitely worth a try. You know, you know what, let me give you a bit of info and then you can decide for yourself. Because otherwise, it sounds more like a retrospective on Nat King Cole rather than a BL podcast, and I do believe none of you are here to listen to me talking about jazz and the likes. Now, Jazz for Two, 
follows the event in the lives of Sehon and Tai, two people that have nothing in common except their passion for jazz music. Now, for Tai, it's the only way he has to fill the void left with the death of his older brother. For Seon, on the other hand, it's his passion for playing the piano that accompanies him since childhood. And it is by the piano that these two will have their first encounter, while Seon, a newly transferred student, is practicing... You know me, guys, me and English, sometimes we don't go too well together, but we try to get along, yeah? So, as I was saying, <laughs> Sehon is practicing in the school's music room and Chai recognizing that same melody, the song that his beloved brother used to play. And let me tell you, he doesn't take it too well. In fact, he takes it so badly that the only thing that escapes his lips are these an angered words. If I ever catch you playing the piano again, it'll be the end of you. As you can see, not the best art indeed. But as we mentioned before, jazz is visceral and unpredictable, and so will be their story. We will witness Sehon breaching into Tai's heart like a gentle and warm summer breeze, and for Tai, this will be the shot to reach the happiness he thought he didn't deserve anymore. Now, if we consider that both of them are no older than 18 years, you can imagine how, how all the emotions will be amplified to the max. Now, personally speaking, I like Tai's art the most. In the beginning, we do perceive like a somewhat violent and rude brat, but the more you get to know him and his background, the more we discover that it's his all an act in order not to get the people around him hurt in any way, and as well to shield himself to get hurt in any way, and not to feel the level of pain that he felt when his brother died. He doesn't want to feel that anymore, so that's what we get. Yeah. And under the thick shield, we do find a sad kid that just needs to feel loved and appreciated again. And that is why Sehon will be the perfect match for him. Not a single time he forces Tai in any way to express his emotion or change his character. Furthermore, every time he tries to reach him and get to know him more, he does it in, he does it in such a mature and delicate way that is almost mesmerizing. And as we said, they are teenagers, so very mature for a brat, indeed. And before we wrap this up, I just want to point out how cute it is the way they come out as a couple. And that will, like, give you, I guess, a bit of how their relationship will develop, like, once all the feelings are on the table. So I'm just gonna say it in Tai's words, because he expresses it be way better than I could ever do. So, in his own words, I didn't want to say this because of you, since I haven't officially told him that I like him, yet. Think whatever you want. I hate explaining things. You're right. He's just a freaking guy. But what am I supposed to do? He's the one I like. This freaking guy brings happiness into my shithole of a life. He's the only one that can do that. I'm just gonna grab a tissue. Just wait a minute. Now, considering how it all started, I guess they got pretty far. In it. <laughs> and on this beautiful note, we mark the ending of the ninth episode of DMB. I actually can't believe we're reaching the end of the first season and I've never missed a deadline. I'm impressed by myself. I'm usually like the procrastinator, the misser of deadlines, but I fucking delivered. A kiss to me, a round of applause to me, but I mean, <laughs> we, got, we still got two episodes to go, so everything can happen. Now, I hope you enjoyed this soft and warm episode with yours truly here today. I know it's a bittersweet one, considering that in real life things 
these kind of things never go that way. AKA, if you hate each other, there's a high chance that one of you will, will or could or have already developed feelings for the other, but that's as far as it will go. But we can still dream since they're not charging for it, so let's keep reading Frenemy stories because they're actually pretty good. For one, to take an enemy's art by user is to die for, and it's a perfect example of a good frenemy stories, and to be honest, I will never get tired of it. But yeah, as I was saying, in real life, usually um, the feelings are not, if some kind of love feelings are developed on one part, they are not reciprocated from the other, so yeah, it's pretty sad. It happened to me as well once, but we're not going to talk about it, because that will be for therapy session, and we're not doing therapy here. We're talking about dicks and sex, and we're having fun while doing it, so I'll just shut my fucking mouth, okay? Now make sure you look after yourselves and the ones you love. Always remember that I do appreciate you for listening for my runs every week. Please confess to your sore enemy or frenemy responsibly, and I shall see you next Wednesday. Jingle, jingle, jingle. Oh, this... I'm fucking joking. Bye, guys.